Welcome back to Ravens Recap. We're super excited to welcome Justin onto the show to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals who we're playing this week. Justin, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. A lot of fun. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it. We always love having episodes where we get a really dedicated fan to come on, talk about the game and uh, your insights because you know we don't get to watch you guys every week. So how did you become a fan of the Bengals? Uh, well, I actually uh, live in the middle of Kansas, middle of nowhere. Well, the biggest city in Kansas, technically, but still the middle of nowhere. And uh, when I was a youngster, that was the Boomer Esiason days. And I just thought that he was the coolest ever and became a fan and stuck with him for better or for worse, mostly worse, just for the last 30 years or so. So nothing too special to it. Just, you know, I apparently hate myself. So here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I sense we've had a theme here. This is uh, <laughs> the same with last week's episode with the yeah. with the whoops. A lot of reluctant fans. <laughs> had a couple of... <laughs> well, just, yeah. just... Did you guys play the Chiefs? No, you played the Chiefs last week. Yeah, we did. There were probably lots of you know, bandwagon fans. Because I, I see those in Kansas nonstop. All of a sudden, Mahomes! Yeah. Probably still have the, the store tag on their Mahomes jersey. Exactly. <laughs> they all know who Mahomes actually passes it to. <laughs> Just no. that he's good. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, enough ragging on, on these guys. We don't even know him. <laughs> but yeah, we, we have a fair share of bandwagon fans. You know, After uh, the very impressive 14-2 season last year, you know, a lot of people wanted to be calling themselves Ravens fans. And uh, they all got pretty upset about losing to the Chiefs last week. So I think they're all starting to shed off. And maybe they'll go over to the Chiefs. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, but to talk about this game coming up this Sunday, uh, it'll be the first of possibly many matchups between Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. Uh, that could possibly be a quarterback division rivalry for years to come. I guess we'll start off with that, as that's kind of the, the big thing that I think a lot of fans of both teams will be looking at. What's your early takes as a Bengals fan on Joe Burrow? I mean, he is already, I think, better than Andy Dalton. Part of it's just, you know, being, you know, the system that they're in that Zach Taylor is trying to put together around Joe Burrow. My main worry uh, that a lot of people have is that he's going to end up like Andrew Luck, just get beat up because the offensive line can't block and, and, you know, just kind of retire early. But you know, he set the, I think, the rookie record for three games in a row at 300 plus yards. And that's, you know, better than I could have imagined him coming out of the gate. I really thought he'd struggle a little bit more at first. But so far, so good, though. The Ravens D will be the biggest test, I think. Our defense definitely always gives quarterbacks, particularly young quarterbacks, a fit. Uh, that's something we've always tried to do, particularly with our just uh, deceptive schemes that we like to run, where. A guy like Patrick Mahomes, no deception, right? The guy just tore us apart, and that's that's what you do. When you do those deceptive schemes, you're saying, we're giving up this to do that. If you don't notice, it's usually a, a big play. Uh, if you do notice, it's usually a big play the other way, right? So it's a big question of how does Burrow respond to that? And we, we agree, when we were doing the state of the division, we, we talked about that offensive line. Uh, is there anything positive so far that you've seen? Well, they they didn't allow any sacks yesterday um, against Jacksonville. Uh, Burrow got hurried a lot, but it was almost like you know the the offensive line coach said to him, just literally give him one more second. So he got hurried a lot and he got pressured a lot, but he didn't get sacked. So I think you know they were able to get just one more second out of their blocks before something blew up, which worked out 
well. Sometimes that's all you can do. And from these guys, that's the best you could hope for. Yeah, I think that'll be an interesting matchup on Sunday. We've been talking about how through the first quarter of the season, the Ravens pass rush has not really been what we would hope. So we'll have to see how a disappointing Ravens pass rush goes up against uh, from what you're describing as a underperforming at best uh, pass protection for the Bengals. Especially the right side of the line. The, they're on their fourth right guard of the year, and oh. the right tackle is just a doormat. Oh. The left side's fine for the most part, but the right side is, you know, that's where it's all coming from. Hmm. Yeah, well, you hope no matter where the Bengals uh, end up finishing this year that they definitely put some more investment into the O-line. You would hate to see, you know, I I hate saying this about a division rival, but, you know, I, I, I definitely resonate with with what happened with Andrew Luck here and you would just hate to see that to happen to you know to any quarterback like that especially for you know for you know a number one pick like that from what I've seen from Burrow so far I mean I think he has been pretty electric I think he could be a very very good player so yeah you would you would hate to see something like that just uh you know happen to a QB like that yeah enough of the pieces are in place elsewhere on the team that they can reach high in the draft for some good linemen or or even throw out something for a trade they've got plenty of cap space but the front office is always reluctant to to make trades yeah we we've seen that with the ravens this year where we saw how they drafted to fill holes in positions of which we don't normally value using draft capital middle linebacker running back etc and um that's something you can do when you're built the way we are but you're right when you say honestly your team from an offense perspective just needs a line you have the skill position weapons so moving forward let's talk about joe mixon he had a huge breakout game last week with three touchdowns uh i got some trade offers this week i I have him in a few fantasy leagues i said no 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 i still believe in you joe and he came out big do you think it's just uh again the offensive line giving him trouble or have you seen any drop off from him yeah i i I would say most of his troubles were Offensive line wise, I think some of it was just play calling. Uh, he didn't really do hardly anything in the first half against Jacksonville, but uh, they made a lot more changes than normal over halftime. And suddenly, you know, it looked like a whole different team. He was fine in the holes. Uh, he broke off a couple of really big touchdown runs of 20 plus yards. Uh, so he, you know, it's, it's half the offensive line and half, I think the coach is still trying to figure out ways to utilize him and and just the run game in general because the coach is very quarterback oriented and and i think forgets about the backs sometimes yeah that's that's another matchup we'll be looking at on sunday i think usually the ravens do a pretty good job at keeping joe mixon in check definitely some exceptions uh the season finale to the 2017 regular season comes to mind it's a game where it wasn't just mixon but mixon did have a good game there i think that Mixon will have some problems running between the tackles with Calais Campbell up front. Hopefully the Ravens will have Derek Wolf back. But Brandon I think Williams, once, too. Brandon Williams, absolutely. Yeah, his nose tackle work this year has been excellent. Yeah, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see. You know, we talked about how Patrick Queen had a bounce-back game uh, against Washington this week. How he'll, uh, presumably, he'll be the one matching up when, when Mixon's coming out of the backfield as a receiver. Uh, I think that'll be... A matchup to watch is how Queen's able to cover Mixon, how that goes for him. I guess I got to lead off this question. I want to talk about the Bengals receiving core and, and particularly AJ Green because I, I haven't too many fantasy leagues. I thought he was going to have a huge bounce back this year. Is he cooked? 
Yeah, he he just doesn't look the same. You know, he was out all last year because of an injury part of the year before. And, you know, you can tell that he's just lost a step. I don't know if he's if it's just out of shape or if he's done for good, but he's not not in sync with Joe Burrow mentally. And just when he has an opportunity to go grab one, he just can't get there like he used to. That's a shame. Yeah. AJ Green was always a really, oh, he, really good player. Uh-huh. <laughs> always had his best games against Baltimore. God, he gives us so many fits, but man, he was he a good player. Yeah, I, I remember the the Hail Mary a couple of years ago to tie up the game at the end. And I think. Yep. Yep. Oh. Yeah, I mean, he was just so consistently good for such a long time until that injury, and then, you know, poof, we haven't seen anything from him. I mean, you know, you hope he brings it back at some point, but. You know, maybe by uh, the time, maybe the time we play the second time this season, he'll be back. But mm-hmm. well, you have other emerging weapons. Let's talk about T. Higgins. He's uh, starting yeah, to get he, a little bit uh, more he action. Was probably I heard one of the most last game, not so much. Of the he Bengals uh, draft picks had some struggles despite waiting for you know, Burrow. T- uh, Higgins was in the line. second round you know, first pick of the second round. So he was borderline first round player and him and Joe Burrow, they're, they're both rookies and they seem to be at least, you know, mentally more in touch with each other. I think they're both learning it together so they can craft how they learn around each other, if that makes sense. And so Burrow looks to him when, when something's breaking apart Uh, this past week uh, it started to rain and I think that's where Higgins was losing some of the balls. He was slipping on the turf a bit and you know, the Bengals and Burrow were throwing a lot less in the second half um, than normal just because of the rain. So I think that was an aberration, but I think he'll going forward, he'll definitely step up to be the number two receiver. Yeah. And then obviously we have Tyler Boyd and, and Auden Tate and a bunch of other weapons. I, I tell you, it seems like the Bengals are just John Ross. Are yeah, John Ross? I tell you what, man. It always seems like the Bengals have just a fantastic receiving core. You know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with how they want to build the offenses that they uh, put on the field. But I have to respect the uh, the ability to draft uh, consistently, like good receivers over and over again. It's something that a lot of people in Baltimore have wished that we've had that ability to draft. Uh, You know, for pretty much all of our history, we've not had success at that position group. Marquise Brown is up there. I think he's, yeah. Well, he's probably the exception. And and we're hoping that some of the rookies from this year, uh, Devin DuVernay and James Brochet, are also contributing in in small ways that they are. So we're hoping that maybe that trend has has been bucked. But historically, the Ravens have not had any success. Well, and uh, John Ross, you mentioned, he's actually been a healthy scratch the last two weeks. I think he's probably on his way out. This is the last year of his rookie contract and hasn't really lived up to it. So he's, you know, just been cut out of the picture with all the other good receivers. Yeah. Yeah, he had those two games where he really flashed last season and then he got injured and then it just hasn't been the same. Right when you thought maybe he was putting it together in his third year. Yeah, he was he was drafted to be the speedster, obviously, but he ended up playing his best when he was coming across the middle as the slot receiver, which he can't keep that pace up. And if he can't do that and then can't do the deep ball, then he's you know doesn't really fit anymore. And kind of a similar situation to the Ravens had with uh, Brashad Perryman. Mm-hmm. 
Right. That's true. He did have a lot of success there. Alec and I called him the X Factor in 2016 when all he would run was those uh, <laughs> slant and crossing routes. Hey, he was he was really good at that for for one year. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right. Well, well, what about the uh, tight end position group? I know. Um, and obviously, Eifert isn't uh, no longer there. Uzama, mm-hmm. I believe, had an uh, injury. He's on IR. Yes. So how how's the depth been behind those? Well, uh, Drew Sample was the second round pick last year. Uh, he was more of a blocking tight end, but he's got pretty sure hands. He had a, a pretty nice one-handed grab the week before, so he has to be the number one wide, uh, number one tight end. Even though he wasn't really meant to be a pass catching tight end, but he's been solid. Except for uh, Joe Burrow's one interception against Jacksonville was a jump ball where him and the defender both grabbed it and the defender came away with that, which you're not supposed to do that if you're the big tight end. You can't give that up. Uh, But other than that, he's he's stepped it up. Uh, And then there's really, you know, a bunch of undrafted guys after him. So tight end is is still uh, a weak spot for sure. Gotcha. I have to imagine with so many uh, receivers and such a lack of, of tight end depth and that means the Bengals probably run a lot of three wide four wide sets absolutely this overload at one position not enough at tight end so you know yeah. you'll be seeing that especially uh aj green's still going to be out there even if he's not the same and it's going to be him boyd t higgins and then sometimes Auden tate rotating in and then um a couple other guys as a fifth receiver for the the five wide sets but definitely aren't going to see the the double tight ends. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Tyler Boyd usually works the the slot for you guys, right? Mm-hmm. He does. So you'll probably see uh, Marlon Humphrey and Tyler Boyd matched up for a lot of the afternoon. Yes, and you know, especially with Boyd being kind of the borderline number one receiver with with AJ's difficulties, it's you know you're going to want to stick someone good on him. Well, next up, I think we want to move to the defensive side of the ball, which it's. Always great to have a, a guest on for this portion because I think, you know, with the with the fantasy football focus that so much of fans are bought into in the current NFL, I think play, uh, fans know the offensive side of the ball a lot better than the defense on these opposing teams. So um, what are the strengths right now this year in this young season for, for the Bengals? Uh, the strengths would, would be the secondary. Jesse Bates, the safety, is probably the best defensive player right now. He's, I think, third year. Um, but he he was instrumental against Jacksonville, just breaking up passes and, and making some solid hits. So, you know, he can he can keep up with with uh, Hollywood Brown probably. And uh, the corners are fairly solid because you know they they cut some of the slack with Drake or Patrick in the off season. Um, and then the other strength is the defensive line, which Geno Atkins has been hurt. Um, I think he's coming back this week. I'll have to double check. I think he's still iffy, but between Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap and Sam Hubbard, it's a, a solid line. They just, uh, they're speedy, but they have trouble getting to the quarterback. The weak spot is uh, as always the linebacking core. They're young and they can't, cover passes they're they're fine with tackling but just, you know slip a running back or slot receiver into their coverage zone and they're gonna miss it every time or a lamar jackson <laughs> <laughs> send him anywhere on the field the linebackers will miss him <laughs> what kind of packages do you anticipate the Bengals using to try to slow down the ravens offensive attack um i think they are going to uh, do a nickel package with sean williams 
keeping tabs on Lamar Jackson. Sean Williams is, is kind of a hybrid between linebacker and safety. He's played both positions a lot. So he can, he can cover passes, but he can also uh, keep up with Lamar Jackson and, and try and stuff a, a gap if he needs to. So I would, I would look for him to be out there uh, more than, than in previous games. So a guy that Ravens fans are familiar with uh, from last year, who's now in Cincinnati, is uh, Josh Bynes, who helped secure, uh, we'll say, not performing particularly well uh, linebacking core when the Ravens signed him in week five last year, uh, along with LJ Fort. How's he looked? Um, has he been helping out these young Bengals linebackers? Uh, he, he really hasn't. He's, he's been mostly unnoticeable, hasn't made any big plays, but I don't think he's given anything up. The Bengals are still trying to give their, their rookie Logan Wilson, um, a shot and, uh, Jermaine Pratt, uh, their rookie linebacker from last year and Bynes is being used more of as relief, relief player. But I honestly trying to think of the number of times I've seen him out there running around and it's very few. I was looking forward to that reunion. We'll see if uh, they try to use him against us because he knows our team the best. We always joke that I still owe him a beer. I was so happy with his performance when he came back and uh, <laughs> was able to shore up a otherwise putrid inside linebacker position last year. So that's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely keen to see how he's playing uh, next week. Speaking of another new face for the, the Bengals, um, one that uh, wasn't on the Ravens, but I know uh, we definitely noted his play when we played against Houston last year. But how has uh, DJ Reader been in his new spot with the Bengals? He he is definitely taken over uh, as one of the leaders on the line with Geno Atkins out. Him on the inside uh, has, you know, with um, with Sam Hubbard is really, uh, you know, the Bengals have notoriously had trouble stopping the run the last few years, and they still have their troubles but it's it's better and i think that one of the big reasons is he's there just getting in the way at the very least but he's been anchoring the the front left i think left side most of the time but definitely good that we got him since atkins has been hurt a lot so i don't really have a whole lot more to add other than you know lamar jackson is has he lost a game against the bengal's yet Probably not. No, no. Because he's he's only lost to yeah the bank or the Chiefs and uh, the Browns. You know, in the regular he, season, he almost lost his his very first NFL start was against the Bengals, and he uh, the Bengals had a chance to come back and win that game, but uh, Marlon Humphrey broke up a was he the fourth down pass to Tyler Boyd to seal that victory. Yeah, it always seemed like someone for the Bengals would get the best of Flacco one way or the other, and. You know, at least once a year. But oh yeah, you guys are a huge thorn in our side. I remember yeah. just being so downtrodden. I, one of our like local churches had a like a watch party. I forget what the like the circumstance was, and it was the Bengals and and, <laughs> and we lost. Man, I was so sad because <laughs> like everyone's like together to watch this game, and I'm like, man, watch at home, they win, no one to celebrate with. Watch it out, the people, <laughs> they lose, <laughs> everyone to you know mourn with. <laughs> Well, Lamar, Lamar has changed that, and I think between Lamar and Burrow and Baker Mayfield, the, the whole AFC North is getting a little more pass-oriented than, than in the past. It is, yeah. It'll be interesting to see if the, if the Steelers are able to find a Big Ben replacement to make that the same across the whole division. Well, Mason Rudolph is not the answer. We, we've learned that. 
No, he is not, and, and neither is Duck Hodges. But I do think that uh, transitions into an interesting question that, you know, we talk so much about, obviously, the big rivalries of the AFC North, Ravens-Steelers, Bengals-Steelers are the ones that always get the most attention. But I guess from your perspective as a Bengals fan, where do you rate the, the Ravens as like a, from a rivalry perspective? Um, I would say play-wise, the Ravens are one of the bigger rivals. For the longest time, it did go back and forth between Bengals-Ravens, who wins. And it's more of a respectful rivalry. Like, the teams are, are usually on the same standing. The Steelers is the dirty rivalry where the, you know, the, the teams fight back and forth. That's, you know, the big, that's the game people want to watch for the fireworks. And then, and then there's the Browns. I don't think anyone's the Browns rival. We just feel sorry for them. Uh, so I would, I, you know, the Ravens is always the good game to watch. You know, it's going to be a solid game, you know, not below the belt. And it really feels like any team could win the game. Yeah, I think we agree with that from a Ravens fan perspective. It seems like it doesn't really matter whether or not the, which team is, is better that year. If one of the teams is doing much better than the other, those, those games are always close. Um, and a blowout is a rare exception. One thing I wanted to ask you was about the emergence of Gino Bernard. So again, we were talking about Mixon and I was like, oh, people want to trade for them in fantasy. What have you seen as far as his usage? And, um, do you think he has something to contribute or, you know, like, wh- why do you think the, the coaching staff keeps turning to him in some passing situations, et cetera? Um, he, he's more of a, like a, a team captain type of presence you want to have on the field. He's good. He, he uh, has stepped up when he's needed to in the rushing game, but he's not very big. He's always been more of the Darren Sproles kind of utility player. So he's great when he needs to be, but you can't make him an every down back. Uh, the problem is that Zach Taylor, Bengals coach, hasn't figured out how to utilize him very well yet. It seems like he just forgets he's there. Uh, Marvin Lewis, for all his faults, you know, he had he had the plays where he'd get it to Geo on a uh, something tricky that would come up quite often. But the last two years, it's, it's like they just haven't figured out how to use him. But he's there and he's good, and it, you know. It, he, I, I just I hope that they can work him in more often. All right. Well, with all that said, I think we're looking forward to another good chapter of Ravens Bengals coming up this Sunday. Uh, I know you're new to the show, so at the end of each of these preview episodes, what we uh, do is we each give uh, both our score prediction for the game as well as uh, a bold prediction for what can happen in the game, and that can be pretty much anything you you want. To, to think about, you know, because you could say Joe Burrow throws four touchdowns or the Bengals get three sacks, uh, just, you know, just something to throw out there just for, for fun. So I think usually we start with the bold predictions. You're the guest. I don't know if you, you want to go first. Yeah. How about uh, Joe Burrow throws five touchdowns, five touchdowns. There's five touchdowns. Okay. Ooh, that's super bold. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's going to be the way to win big day from him. So that's my bold prediction. That's fair. To be honest with you, if I think the game flow I see for how you guys win, obviously Burrow has a huge day, but I, I, I don't see just because of the the players you have, other than you know the healthy ro- scratch of Ross, I don't see like many breakaway passing plays. So I could see Mixon getting some finishes, but no, you're definitely right. That is that's the formula. You have to just outpace the Ravens scoring because they usually put up points, 
Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the Bengals defense, you know, even with the holes they've filled, can keep up with Lamar. Uh, yeah, this one's a little a little tough to go off of. For full disclosure, we haven't been really good at bold predictions this year. The only one that's hit so far was I said the Ravens would uh, shut out Cleveland in the second half of week one. That hit. But other than that, we've gone a little crazy with this. I've been, I've been too damn bold. So I don't know if this is bold because we've talked about uh, how the Bengals offensive line has some issues. But at the same time, you know, we said the Ravens had a successful pass rush against Washington, but they only had three sacks. Uh, so if that's successful, I think we can say it would be bold to say that the Ravens would double that number and get to Burrow uh, for six sacks on Sunday. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one, Peter. I- I'm going to go with this. I think we haven't seen it yet, so I'm going to call for it this game. I'm going to say Hollywood Brown puts it all together and he gets two touchdowns this game. He's had some miscues with Lamar, missing him deep. I think this is the week they try to put it all together. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit different here. I don't know whether this is super bold or not, but I will say the Ravens have had some trouble in this season for uh, putting drives together early. They've always had, uh, or I should say, they've had slow starts uh, the first couple of games this season. Originally, I've been able to kind of put it together in the second and third quarter and be able to put teams away then. Uh, but against tougher opponents like the Chiefs, uh, slow starts equals uh, <laughs> big a last place finish. Yeah, big <laughs> L. So I, I'm going to say that in this game, the Ravens score on their first three possessions. Now, is there any differentiation about touchdowns or just scoring? No. That's fair. Because I'm not fine. doing touchdowns because then I'm not going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. all right so moving on to score predictions well i guess since you already have joe burrow scoring uh five touchdowns i'm guessing that means at least 35 points for the bengals yeah i'm gonna say 48 to 38 uh ravens win is my prediction high scoring affair that'd be fun to watch that would be pretty fun to watch we'll we'll have plenty to say about the defense (laughs) being terrible but (laughs) that'd be fun to watch at least (laughs) oof yeah i'm i'm not seeing it being quite as high scoring. I think that the Ravens are going to have a good job, a lot of success running the football on Sunday. We'll see what that means. We'll see if that means a lot of Lamar or if the Ravens will finally give the guys who are paid to carry the rock some consistent carries. But I think Joe Burrow is going to surprise Ravens fans and maybe do a little better than they might think. But I still think the Ravens win big 33 to 20. Mm, That's like right on the nose what I was thinking. Okay. Um, I'll give a little bit more credit to Joe Burrow and uh, their ability to strike. I'm going to give it uh, 23 points, but the Ravens come out on top. Let's call it a closer game. Um, maybe just some struggles, uh, maybe some fumbles that we you know, don't want to see, but uh, I'll give them 30 points. 30-23 Ravens. Yeah. Um, I, I just think the, the Ravens have definitely struggled the first quarter of the season. I, I don't really see this one as a blowout. Uh, I think it's definitely going to be a closer game. I think the Ravens are going to have to learn pretty quickly who Joe Burrow is and not let him uh, do some damage. But I, I, I do think he might... Honestly, I kind of see him surprising the Ravens a little bit. But I do think that the Ravens are going to put more of an emphasis on the run game. At least I'm hoping that they do. Uh, so winning the time possession battle is usually a good thing for the Ravens. 
So I'm going to say it's a little bit closer. 34-24 Ravens. I'll never underestimate how many points the Bengals can score in garbage time. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think my I think my prediction accounts for for two garbage time touchdowns from Joe Burrow. So how's your two minute offense? We didn't even talk about that. Um, actually, really good. I'm not sure if you watched Week One, but the two minute offense got down in field goal range for a tie, and then kicker. I don't know. I like to say he faked an injury because he grabbed both his legs. Oh and fell yeah, off, remember, he was yeah, able to come. That. Yeah. He 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 played the next week, so he obviously wasn't hurt too bad. And then they they did real good at the end of the first half with the the Eagles, and the second half they just couldn't do it in overtime. So real good, better than better than under Marvin Lewis. I think a lot of that's just clock management. Yeah, well, I'm definitely looking forward to this matchup. Uh, it's always good to have uh, these divisional games; they're always a lot of fun, no matter what the outcome is. Uh, I hope it's a it's a good clean game. Oh yeah, you have a good feel, a good preview for the next five years, probably. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Justin. Do you have anything you want to plug? Um, I guess I I have a YouTube channel where I uh, basically pull out Bengals football cards. It's just called Bengals Collector on YouTube. We'll definitely put that in the show notes. Well, thanks again for everyone listening. Make sure to give us a like or a review in your podcast player of choice. You can follow us, Ravens underscore recap on Twitter, or send us an email at feedback at ravensrecap.com. We'll be back next week to talk about the Bengals game. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you soon.